This is the Relic Radio Show, old-time radio entertainment still standing the test of time from RelicRadio.com. This week's hour of radio drama begins with Rocky Jordan. We'll hear Quest for Tranina from October 16, 1954. After that, it's The Diary of Fate and the Tyler White entry. That story aired April 6, 1948. Buy wisely. Buy for flavor. Buy Del Monte. Del Monte, the brand you trust for flavor in so many good foods. Time now for Rocky Jordan, brought to you by Del Monte Foods, the brand preferred by more women than any other line of canned fruits and vegetables in the world. Not far from the Musk Sultan Hassan in Cairo stands the Cafe Tambourine, run by Rocky Jordan. The Café Tambourine, crowded with forgotten men, alive with the babble of many languages. For this is Cairo, where modern adventure and intrigue unfold against the backdrop of antiquity. Del Monte presents Rocky Jordan and this week's story, Quest for Tranina. If you ever plan a trip to Cairo, take my tip and read up on a few things. How to keep off the streets during the Moazin's call. They're a devout people. How to leave your dogs at home. They don't like them. But most important of all, when you see a native woman, don't look the second time. Me, I learned a lot of things the hard way, and I never forgot them. Which goes to explain what I was up against that evening as I left a vegetable mart in the native quarter of South Cairo. I'd ordered a few items for delivery to my cafe and was making my way along a narrow street walled by an ancient abandoned dwelling toward the main thoroughfare. There was no place for a foreigner after dark, so I stepped it up. And about then, I heard it. Then I saw a young, beautiful native girl without the veil running wildly toward me. Coming fast close behind was a rough-bearded native with a scar on his right cheek. In another second, he had a hold of her, dragging her back. No! It was way too rough for my blood, so I started moving in. He clung to the struggling girl and turned to face me. Go your way, infidel. Now, let's all break it up, Buster. She wants my help. Oh, is the kelp so stupid? Remove your eyes from her now before they bring evil. Sorry. Mashallah. That is better. Now the Inglisi will be gone. Just as soon as you explain who she is and what this is all about. I explain nothing. It is an affair of the family, no. an affair of my people. No, no, let me go, please. Silence, say nothing. Since when do you people go dragging girls through the streets? It is an affair not for one of your kind. It is of the family, I say. Fendi, please, take me from him, please. Back from the sight of this man. Hey, listen, you. Sir, the infidel persists. Ah. Come well equipped, don't you? It is the knife for such as you who lack wisdom. Yeah, maybe it doesn't impress me. Then it will be used quickly. And you will be picked up from the gutter as one who did not realize that the ways of the East are not those of the West. Well, Ingilazi? Uh, you can put the knife away. Uh, it is well. You will put you have seen of this family affair from your mind. Or else you will learn that for us, death comes cheaply. Lilta! No, no, in the name of Allah! Oh, no, 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 no,
So I just stood watching as he took her away, screaming and out of sight. The big trouble was that what the guide said was right. It wasn't my affair, not here in Cairo. The best thing was to keep it that way. I kept telling myself that as I went back to my tambourine, as I tried to sleep that night, until I picked up the early edition of the Cairo Mail the next morning. Yeah, what the headlines didn't tell me, the picture below did. It was the face of the native girl. I read only a little way down, Tranina, daughter of Emil Falak Bey, reported missing, abduction feared, reward offered for information. Right away, I was in at my office phone, putting in a call for Captain Sam Sabaya, the Cairo police. He wasn't there, so I knew where I'd find him, and I headed for the home of Falak Bay. It was a large white house in the spacious Sharia El Din. In front was Park Sabaya's black limousine, and at the gate, a couple of uniformed men, assisted by several house servants, were trying to hold back an excited crowd, claiming information and seeking the reward. I started pushing my way through. No one enters the home of Falak Bay. Uh, well, I'm going in. I warn you, sir. She's in back from the gate. It is most difficult, Captain Sabaya. This man makes trouble. Jordan, Ahmed, let him enter the car. Your command, Captain. Hot, sir. Thanks. Jordan, come over here by the fountain. And what brings you to this place, Jordan? Uh, you know, it's important or I wouldn't be here, Sam. Please be brief. I have grave matters at hand. It's about the girl, Tranina. Uh, oh, come into the house, quickly. Yeah. In here, Jordan. Who comes now to my troubled house, Captain Sabaya? His name is Jordan Falak Bey. He says that he brings word of Tranina. But what would he, a foreigner, know of my daughter? Only what I saw, Falak Bey. Over near the native vegetable mart. A man dragging her away. No. It is not possible. Continue, Jordan. Uh, you are sure that she was the daughter of this man? She's the same that I saw in the papers this morning. You saw her dragged away, and what did you do? Nothing. Nothing, Jordan? What do you expect, Sam? She's a native girl. I understood it was a family affair, and that left me out. Uh, a family affair? Who would tell you this thing? The guy who was holding her. He made real sure I stayed out of it. Uh, please describe him. Oh, he had a lot of crooked teeth, heavy beard, except for a knife scar from his chin through his right ear. Mm. Do you know who this could be, Falak Bey? I, I know of no such man. Jordan, can you be sure of this? Look right into his face. I'd recognize it anyway. Sabaya Bey, can you not see that Jordan is like the others who come only for reward but know nothing? Let's get this straight, Falak Bey. I'm not here for money. Uh, just a moment, please. Now, exactly when did all this occur? Late yesterday evening. Jordan, you mean to tell me that you saw a girl abducted on the streets of Cairo many hours ago and yet you wait until this minute to tell oh, me? Oh, Sam, we've been over this before. You've made it clear the ways of the East aren't like mine, that native affairs are not my concern. Yes, I will confess that I have, Jordan. However... All right. Maybe I should have done something this time. Believe me, if I'd known who the girl was and that she was in real danger... I do not accuse you. Is there more to tell? No, that's everything. I'm in it now, Sam. I'll square it somehow. No, no, Jordan. I suggest that for your own safety, you now return to your tambourine and think no more of this. You know I can't do that. It is an affair for the police, Jordan. Please, say no more. There is no truth in Jordan's story. Can you not see? Falak Bey, I quite understand how you feel. However, my I... My lovely Tranina. She whom I brought to womanhood, hoping that she would marry into good station and bring me joy. Now she is gone. Well, there's plenty we can do about this. I beg you, Captain, take him away. Let this man torment me no more. So I got out. I didn't blame Falak Bey so much for how he felt. Only myself now. I pushed my way through the crowd at the gate and up the Sharia El Din. I walked along the busy street trying to figure my next move and what I could do about Tranina. All at once, I had company. 
young, muscular fellow with a determined face who crowded in close. I have valuable jewels, Effendi. They must go for a quick price. Uh, not interested. How are you, Tick? Uh, precious diamonds, a bargain quickly made. If you would step to a quiet spot... No jewels, buddy. Now beat it. To dispose of them in Cairo would be dangerous for me, but... You, an American, could get a fine price in Chicago or uh, New Orleans or perhaps St. Louis. Yeah. All right, I'll play along. Let's go. All right, this far enough. Let's see the diamonds. There are no diamonds. Yeah, I didn't think so. I'll get to the point. I will ask you only one thing, Mr. Jordan. You know a lot already. My name and where I'm from. Oh, many know of you, Mr. Jordan. I had only to inquire. Tell me some more, including the name. It is Gerard, though not important. Then what is? I would learn what you know of Tranini. Ask a certain guy with crooked teeth and a split ear. This is no time for a jest, Mr. Jordan. All right, Gerard. Get it out in the open. Why all the secrecy? It is best for the present that I not be seen with you. Why? Just where do you fit in? I cannot tell you. As yet, I do not know of your part in this affair. Or how you came by what you say, you know. At the moment, my interest is only in Tranine. You got some ideas what happened to her? It is possible that I have. Speak now, Mr. Jordan. Tell me what you know, and we will go in peace. And if I don't, what then? You ask for threats, but I give none. Only rest assured that I will stop at nothing. Think of this, Mr. Jordan. Nothing. Gerard suddenly turned and walked toward the street without looking back. I gave him just enough lead, and as he turned on to the shorty L. Din, I started after him, figuring to do a tailing job. What I'd seen in his eyes made me sure that he meant what he said, not stopping at nothing. I had a stake in Fernina's welfare now, and Gerard was a good place to begin. As I stepped into the street, I glanced around for the sight of Gerard, and I didn't go any farther. Sandstone rock sprayed my face as the bullet struck the wall not two inches away. I dived back rolling. There I hugged the dirt of the alley, waiting for it to come again. Nothing happened. Got up, moved carefully along the wall back to the street. Shots had scattered the passers-by, but now they were returning, crowding in to see what had happened, chattering and pushing in. There was a sea of faces, but nowhere the face I wanted. Gerard was gone. Del Monte Foods is presenting tonight's adventure with Rocky Jordan. Question, what is the zestiest, liveliest catsup that ever pepped up a meal? Answer, Del Monte catsup, of course. There's nothing like it for hearty, satisfying flavor. And the big secret of that flavor is pineapple vinegar. Take the very best plump, red, vine-ripened tomatoes, the kind Del Monte uses, add specially ground spices and herbs, blend them all together with pineapple vinegar, and what do you have? Why, Del Monte catsup. A catsup that just can't be topped for flavor. A catsup that's livelier, zestier, and more satisfying. You see, pineapple vinegar coaxes all the best flavor from the other ingredients. Catsup experts agree, the finer the vinegar, the better the catsup flavor. And pineapple vinegar is an exceptionally fine vinegar. Only Del Monte makes it. Only Del Monte has it. Del Monte catsup is my standby. It brings out the flavor of plain foods like no other catsup you ever tried. Look for Del Monte catsup at your grocer's. We know you'll like it. 
Try it soon, and before long, you'll join other satisfied users in saying, Del Monte ketchup is my favorite. It has such marvelous flavor. And now we take you back to Cairo, and tonight's Rocky Jordan story, Quest for Trinina. Call it what you will, good sense or bad judgment. I watched the abduction of the lovely Trinina without lifting a finger. It looked like a family affair, and that's something foreigners like me keep out of. Now Trinina was gone, and plenty of people were looking for her, including a determined young guy named Gerard. This time it had to take more than some gunshots thrown my way to keep me out of it. My number one lead was the character who had dragged her away. Easy to remember for the knife scar from his chin through his right ear. So I threw a few piastres around for some new leads, spent the rest of the day running down men with split ears. I found plenty of them, but not the one I wanted. It was well after dark when I finally walked back toward my tambourine. Just as I got to the door, a little one-eyed character studied his faded fez in my face. A hasty word with you, Effendi. I make it quick, Buster. I would reveal something most interesting, but for a small fee. Uh, tell me all about it. But uh, the bargain, Effendi. All right, here. My last three piastres. Oh, it is so little. But if you truly say that there is no more... There's more when I get the information. Come on, hurry it up. Hey, this way, sir. Hey, quickly. Yeah, where are we going? Come, follow, please. I will show you. He led me through the winding streets, skirting the Solomon Pasha Square, then off into the native quarter. Thereon, I knew anything could happen, and I was ready for it. In front of a building that should have been condemned before Napoleon took Egypt, the little guy stopped, beckoned me, and went in. He took me up some creaking steps. At the top, he pointed to a door, hesitated only long enough for me to throw him another coin. Then he was gone. I tried the door. It opened. Nothing happened, so I moved into the darkness inside, feeling for a light switch. I couldn't find one, so I slid along the wall till I reached the window. I tugged on a battered shade, and it did the rest. The moonlight came in, and that's when I found the man with a scar and a split ear. He was sprawled on the floor, and he wasn't pleasant to look at. From the looks of the room, there hadn't been much of a fight. He'd gotten the knife from behind. I scratched around without finding anything more... And I was back down the steps and out of the native quarter the quickest way. In another couple of minutes, I had Sabaya on the phone. Jordan, I've been calling your tambourine. Where have you been? Oh, I'll write you a memo, Sam. Now, listen. I trust you are well, Jordan. Did you think different? I could not be sure in the light of what I have found. Well, keep it up, Sam. Get to the point. Regarding the man whom you described as the abductor of Tanina, would you say he is of medium height, black beard, crooked teeth, green eyes, and a scar on his right cheek? Yeah, that's the guy. Who is he? His name is Bantar. He is known as a vicious man, one who kills for a price and without mercy. Are you sure? That, Jordan, is the man you allowed to escape with the daughter of Halak Bay. A family affair indeed. All right, Sam, sure. What about the girl? I will be quite frank with you. We have no trace of her. Thanks. Incidentally, why did you call me? It's about Bantar. You can find him now. What? I, I do not understand. Hunt up an old place at the corner of Gamma and Haran. Room 201. He's all yours. A moment, Jordan. What are you trying to tell me? Don't get excited, Sam. He won't go away. Well, I'd found Bantar, but there was still Tronina. And I had nothing. Nothing except Gerard. He had some ideas, but it was time he told me. So I began again. 
There was a chance that Pollock Bay might know of him. So I went back to the white mansion on the Shouty Eldin and in through the court. This time, nobody at all was around to stop me. The house was dark, but I kept rapping the big knocker, and finally the door was open. I was greeted by Pollock Bay himself. Who disturbs the sorrow of my house? It's Jordan. I've got to see you for a minute. Oh, my good Fendi Jordan. A moment. I will come into the court with you. I'm sorry to bother you, Fallock Bay, but... No, no, it is good that you came. Now, before Allah, I can ask your forgiveness. For what? When this morning you described to me the man who took my daughter, I was beside myself with anxiety and did not believe. You believe me now? Yes. Now the Sabaya Bay has told me that there truly is such a man. What you said was true. Tronina is in the hands of Bantar, the killer. No, not anymore, she isn't. Mr. Jordan, what do you mean? Bantar's dead. Dead? I just saw him. Somebody's knife did it. So, now what more hope can there be? My daughter is no more. But you can't be sure of that, Fallock Bay. Please, no. You try only to soften my despair. It is of no avail. You have done enough now, my good defendant. Listen, does the name Gerard mean anything to you? Gerard? Young guy. Pretty husky. Stubborn. So, it is the troublemaker again. Why do you ask of him? He's plenty anxious to know what I saw. Fallock Bay, we may not have much time. You've got to tell me about him. He is only the rash youth who chanced to see my daughter on the streets. Quickly, he came to me asking for her hand in marriage. Mm -hmm. He was not for her. He wanted only her wealth. Repeatedly, I drove him from my door. Maybe he had something to do with her abduction. Why, it is indeed possible. There's a chance he'll come for you next. Mr. Jordan, I am an old man. My welfare is nothing. I've got to find Gerard quick. Please, no, it is not right that you, not of my people, should endanger your life. Don't worry about me. Go in peace now, my Fendi. I return now into my house, alone. Franina was all I had. There are not even relatives to mourn with me in my grief. Allah be with you. I went back out through the court and the gate and took a few steps down the walk. There, for some reason, I hesitated. I'd seen fear as well as grief in Fallock Bay's eyes. Right then, I didn't blame him. But something wasn't straight. I stood looking back, and that's when I saw a silent figure crawl from a low window at the side toward the back of the house. I held it till he hit the ground, and then I was after him. He saw me coming too late and whirled away just as I hit him head on. He went down with the wind knocked out of him. I reached inside his coat, found the knife, brought it out with a fistful of papers, threw them away, and I began to drag him up. He came too fast. His open hand caught me flat across the ear. Bells began ringing, so we had it out toe-to-toe. This was sort of out of his line, and all at once he went down again. All right, get up, Gerard. Come on, get up. I need no help. What are you doing in that house? I I, I told you that I would stop at nothing. Uh, I believe that much. I will only ask you again what you know of Tranini. Cut it, Gerard. It's too late. I'm asking now. I still know nothing of you, Mr. Jordan. I... I... Who is there? Answer it once. Bay. Look who I caught crawling out your window. Gerard, in my house. I warned you'd be around. It was not my purpose to harm the Fallock Bay. Yeah, I suppose you clear it up. You had a lot of ideas about what happened to Trinina. Let's hear him. I will speak no more to either of you. Do with me what you will. Well, that was all for Gerard. From then on, he closed up tighter than the cap on a bottle of Coke. I sat him down on a bench in the court while Fallock Bay called headquarters. The noise had roused the neighborhood, and they crowded around as Sabai and his men showed up. I explained all that had happened, promised to be down to see him later, 
Then they took Gerard away. Colic Bay said goodnight, begged the people to return to their beds, and went back alone into the house. I turned to leave, and the crowd faded away. All but one kindly-faced Egyptian at the gate. <sighs> it is most sad, is it not? Yeah. The most noble Falak Bay, the man of many troubles, alone in his house of sorrow. Huh? Sure tough. And no one to mourn with him for the lovely Tranina. She whom he loved as his own. I went on down the street then, still trying to fit everything together. Maybe Sam would get more out of Gerard, but there was still Tranina. I was wondering if Falak Bay was right about it being too late, and if not, what could be done? And all at once it sunk in, but I'd just been told. Things were suddenly falling into place, and I was running back the way I'd come. As I approached the big white house, I remembered something else, and I hurried around to the side. The papers I'd pulled out of Gerard's pocket were still scattered around. I picked them up. A couple of matches later, I'd found out everything I wanted. Now there wasn't a second to lose. I got around to the window Gerard had used. I climbed in. I'd just cut on a light when I saw a fellow Bay coming down the stairs from the balcony to the upper quarters. I met him halfway. Mr. Jordan. Mr. Jordan, what does this mean? We both know, Falak. Get out of my way. No, I will not. You will not desecrate my house. Back in for there. Oh, what are you scared of? It is not fear. Maybe it's what I'll find up here, huh? The upper floors are for no man. Do not enter the door. Yeah, I'm going in. I command you, do not enter. There she was, Tranina, struggling wildly at the bonds which held her. Her mouth gagged, her eyes holding stark terror. I turned and saw Follock fumbling in his pocket for a knife or a gun. I swung and I drove him back with all I had. He staggered through the door, hit the balcony rail and went over. And then it was silent. I was back then at Trinina's side, loosening the bonds and taking the gag from her mouth and feeling the calm of fears. He was going to kill me. I know not why, but he was going to kill Easy, me. Easy, Tranina. You're free now. Everything's all right. Oh, please. Take me away. Take me away from this house. I beg I you. I will, Tranina. Get your breath now. I will. You... You are the young lady who, who saw them taking me from the streets. That's right. Took me a long time to catch on. And... And you are the only one who found that I was here? You sound a little disappointed. But no, Effendi. I thank you for my life, but... Was there none other? Tell me his name. It is Gerard. I thought so. Gerard did everything he could, Trinina. Come on. We'll go to him. In just a moment, Rocky Jordan returns to conclude tonight's story. tasting, natural tasting, and refreshing. That's just what tomato juice should be. And it's just exactly what Del Monte tomato juice is. Fresh tasting, natural tasting, and refreshing. To start the day right in the morning for a pick-me-up any time during the day or as a perfect mealtime appetizer, there's nothing like a chilled glass of Del Monte tomato juice. That rich tomato flavor, tasting just as fresh and natural as a tomato picked right off the vine, really hits the spot. Yes, for real satisfaction, there's nothing like a chilled glass of Del Monte tomato juice. Try it. With your first sip, you'll think, Say, this is good. Del Monte tomato juice is fresh tasting. And with the second sip, you'll say, Mmm, mmm, mighty good. 
Del Monte tomato juice is natural tasting. Then you'll drink it down because... It really hits the spot. Del Monte tomato juice is so refreshing. Remember, for fresh, natural, refreshing tomato flavor, it's Del Monte tomato juice every time. Keep several cans handy in the refrigerator. Now back to Rocky Jordan and the conclusion of tonight's story. Well, one quick look told me that Follick Bay was now only a problem for the coroner. Not long after that, I created something of a sensation when I walked into headquarters with Trinina. Gerard was still under a technical charge of housebreaking, but he was released from his cell and brought to the office where Trinina, Sam, and I waited. She was quickly in his arms. Gerard, oh, darling. Trinina, praise Allah, you are safe and well. And you, Gerard, what of you? Oh, have no fear for me or us. Soon I will return to your side forever. Gerard. Uh, no. Now, if I may have your attention, we will clear up a few matters. Uh, Jordan. Yeah, it looks like Gerard was way ahead of us, Sam. He suspected things weren't right with Follick Bay, and he entered his house to prove it. These uh, documents he found there told everything. For one thing, Trinina was only Follock's stepdaughter. One of the neighbors had told me as much. Mm-hmm. Is this true, Miss Trinina? Mm-hmm. Oh, my most humble pardon, Sabaya Bay. Did you speak? Did I? Oh. Uh, <clears throat> Continue, Jordan. Uh, Trinina inherited a sizable fortune through her mother, who is now dead. Naturally, Follock was named as her guardian and the executor of her estate. Mm. What she didn't know was that Follock had misused her money, business ventures and so on. Mm-hmm. And her fortune was gone. Now he didn't dare let her marry or come of age when she would surely demand an accounting. Well, Follock had made a big speech about how he'd wanted Trinina to marry. I wondered then why he hadn't matched her up long ago. She must be... Nearly 21. Oh, just a moment, please. Miss Trinina, mm-hmm. when is your 21st birthday? Oh, why, it's on the morrow. I had forgotten. My sweet, I will buy you a gift of the purest silver. Yeah. Uh, go on, Jordan. Well, you see, Sam, he had to act quick. He hired Bantar to take her out and kill her. But Bantar fumbled the job. That's when I saw them last evening, and... He hesitated and hit her. In the meantime, Falak was putting on a big act about her disappearance. But she was in Falak Bay's house when you found her. Oh, sure. When Bantar learned I was passing around his description, he got smart. And after dark tonight, secreted her back to Falak's house and dumped her right in his lap. I see. So the Bay was posed with a problem. What to do with her now that she realized what was happening? Mm-hmm. First, he tied up Trinina in a room. And when after Bantar, both through anger and the fear of what Bantar knew, he killed him. It is now quite clear why the Bay wished that no one enter his house, not even professional mourners. It appeared strange that he had sent even the servants away. Yeah. Lucky I get back there in time. Indeed it is. Uh, Trinina, are you aware that you are without funds? That you now have nothing? But do I not have Gerard? I have everything, Sabaya Bay. Gerard, do you still wish to take Trinina... Why? But of course. With my own hands, I will slave for her. I will give her all the good things in life. That is as it should be. Gerard, my husband to be. Tranine, my sweet. You see, Jordan, people do not always marry for money. Sometimes they marry for love.
For the finest in tomato flavor, enjoy the whole family of Del Monte tomato products. Del Monte catsup and chili sauce. Del Monte tomato sauce and canned tomatoes. And Del Monte tomato juice. Remember, buy wisely. Buy for flavor. Buy Del Monte. Del Monte, the brand you trust for flavor in so many good foods. Rocky Jordan, written by Gomer Cool and Larry Roman, stars Jack Moyles in the title role with Jane Novello as Sam Sabaya, and is produced and directed by Cliff Howell, with original music composed and conducted by Richard Arundt. Remember, you have a date next week at the Cafe Tambourine, run by Rocky Jordan. Same time, same station. And the story is The Diorite Bowl. There is nothing more inviting, no cool dessert so flavorful as Del Monte crushed pineapple heaped generously over your favorite ice cream or sherbet. Del Monte crushed pineapple, the brand that always puts flavor first. Now, before we sign off, we want to remind you this year, more than ever before, your local community chest needs your support. Give generously. Everybody benefits when everybody gives. Larry Thor speaking. Rocky Jordan is presented over CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. confidence man. Yes, Tyler, yours is the infamous profession of swindling people of wealth and social position by first gaining their attention, then their admiration, and finally their confidence. And you are well suited to your work. You have always been a success, but you have always been dishonest. And now I, fate, move. And because of two little things, a stray dog and a forgotten cigarette lighter, you, Tyler White, will soon be executed for a murder you did not commit. But only you and I know that. Take heed, you who listen, lest you think fate is unjust. 
unmindful of mortal rights. In a moment, I will make a further entry under the name Tyler White. And when I have written, I will read from his record in The Diary of Fate. record of Tyler White now lies open before me. And for a brief moment, I, fate, look ahead to a single instant of decision. I got it all figured out now. Mm-hmm. Now, Gordon, can you fix an alibi for yourself from 8 to 10 tonight? Sure, sure I can. My boys will swear up and down for me. Good. Now, look, here's the setup. We'll establish separate alibis first, and then we'll get together. And... Take care of Mr. Burke? Right. We're going to take good care of Mr. Johnny Burke. Yes. In the life of Tyler White, the decision to murder was made. But in the last analysis, it was something small. Something beyond the control of this man or any other mortal which determined the inevitable outcome. It is ever thus, little things, yet, yet these are the tools which I, fate, use. I have no choice, for it is all part of a plan, and once set in motion, nothing, not even I, fate, can alter the course already ordained. Remember, Tyler White, you and your latest victim... The extremely wealthy Mrs. Estelle Courtney were driving to lunch. You were about to close a deal. And so you see, Mrs. Courtney, one man's dream is more than just a good play. Why, it's got everything. It's tender, it's real, dynamic. Believe me, you're going to own a Broadway hit. Well, I hope you're right, Tyler. $100,000 is a lot of money, especially for something by an unknown author. Why, none of my friends have ever heard of this Keith, uh, uh, Keith, what's his name? Keith Kennedy. Of course they've never heard of him. This is his first play, and that's the beauty of it. His work is fresh, his outlook is clean. In short, Mrs. Courtney, it's youth talking. Why, Tyler, those were my exact words to young Jim Olsen when I hired him this morning. He's from Kansas City, you know, and he's yes. never had any experience of the theater in a big way, like the New York stage, I mean. Hmm. But I assured him that a director's job was the same any place, that he had youth in the You hired this uh, Olsen to direct our play? Uh, yes, I did. Mm-hmm. In fact, he left Kansas City this morning. Oh, look, Tyler, Central Park. Isn't it lovely today? Uh, but, Mrs. Courtney, my partner has already picked a director. You can Oh, goodness, we're almost at the plaza now, and look at me. Only blues worn off, no shiny. Oh, please drive slowly while I freshen up a bit. Oh, where is that lip? Well, if your mind's made up, I don't suppose there's anything I can do. Uh, Tyler, do you like this shade? It's called Carnation Red. A really different lip. Oh, Tyler, Tyler, that dog, look out! Stupid. But, oh, Tyler, my lipstick, it's smeared all over my dress. Yes, Tyler. At just the right moment, I, fate, intervened. A stray dog darted from the curb, and as you stepped on the brakes, 
Mrs. Courtney smeared lipstick on her dress. A half hour later, as you left a cleaning shop where the stain had been removed, you were surprised to hear someone call your name as you stepped to the sidewalk. Say, Tyler, Tyler White. Huh? Oh, hello, Burke. Well, well, I haven't seen you in a long time. How are things going? Can't complain. Uh, we'd better hurry, Mrs. Courtney. It's after one already. Well, goodness, how the day slips by. Well, so long, Burke. See you around. I uh, don't believe I've had the pleasure. What? Oh, yes, yes, of course. Uh, uh, Mrs. Courtney and Mr. Burke. Oh, how do you do, Mr. Burke? Why, Mrs. Courtney, Mrs. Estelle Courtney. Uh, why, yes. Well, this is a pleasant surprise. Why, I've seen your picture. I'm and, uh... sorry, fellow. We're in a hurry. The car's over here, Mrs. Courtney. See you, Burke. Yes, I think you will, Tyler. Goodbye, Mrs. Courtney. <laughs> Yes, Tyler. A little thing caused you to stop at a cleaning shop. And as a result, you met Johnny Burke, a man you thoroughly disliked. But you forgot about him an hour later, when Mrs. Courtney finally agreed to sign a contract the next day, awarding you $100,000 for the production of One Man's Dream. A play you could stage for $20,000. When you returned to your office and Gordon Kane late that afternoon, you were elated as you lied to your partner. Well, Gordon, we're all set. We've hooked our angels. Are the contract signed yet? No, no, tomorrow. But the $50,000 is as good as ours. $50,000? Well, I thought you'd be good for twice that. Listen, Mrs. Courtney isn't the easy mark I figured. As a matter of fact, we're going to lose a few bucks in that deal you arranged with Dwight Reese. You mean she's hired another director? Yeah, some dear boy she met in Kansas City. I'll get it. White and Kane Productions. Tyler White speaking. Hello, Mr. White. This is Johnny Burke. What do you want, Burke? No reason to be so cold, Tyler. After all, we're old friends. Listen, Burke. I think you're a cheap crook and our friendship ends there. Now, what do you want? Exactly $20,000. What? Are you crazy? Yeah, like a fox. Now, get this, White. I'm in hot water with a couple of the big boys. I signed a marker for twenty grand, and it's due and payable tonight. You won't get any sympathy out of me, Burke. I'm not looking for sympathy, Tyler. I'm after cash. You're the softest touch I know. What do you mean by that crack? Yes, sitting here for three hours. I tell you, we've got to... Shut up, Gordon. I've got it all figured out now. Can you fix that pat alibi for yourself from eight to ten tonight? Sure, sure I can. My boys will swear up and down for me. Good. Now look, here's the setup. We'll establish separate alibis first, and then we'll get together. And take care of Mr. Burke? Right. 
We'll take good care of Mr. Johnny Burke. And no one will suspect us, Gordon. And even if they do, with it. Me? Uh, I was with my boys playing cards all day. <laughs> sure. And I was up at a movie. I can prove it. And furthermore, let me tell you... Uh, hello? I'd like to talk to Mr. White, please. It's for you, Tyler. This is Mr. White. My name is Jim Olson, Mr. White. Mrs. Courtney engaged me to direct a play she's backing. Oh, I see. I just got into town. I'd like to get together with you and Mr. Kane. Why, sure, but it's it's after seven already, Mr. Olson. And, well, then, uh, uh, how about dinner? Dinner? No, I'm afraid that's impossible. I'm going to be busy tonight. Very busy. No, Tyler. You had no time for dinner with Jim Olson that night. You and your partner had no time for anything except the murder of Johnny Burke. Shortly before 8 o'clock, you left Gordon in the office where he was calling the right people to establish his alibi. And you went to the Fairfield, a moving picture theater you had visited the night before. You were careful to be conspicuous as you talked to the girl in the box office. Uh, in other words, if I go in now, I'll just catch the start of the feature. Is that it, honey? That's right. The name isn't Honey, if you don't mind. <laughs> it should be. Look, mister, the whole show is on the inside. The feature starts at 8.06 and breaks at 10.30. Now, how many, please? One. I, uh, I'm sorry about that honey business. Didn't mean to be fresh, honest. Well, forget it. But the name's June. Quite my name's June. Tyler White. I'm glad to know you. Yes, you were glad to know her, Tyler, because it strengthened your alibi. And as you entered the theater, you joked with the man who took your ticket. Then you talked to the manager who stood nearby. And finally, I usher seated you. A moment later, unnoticed, you quietly moved to a side exit and left. And even as you stepped into the darkened alley and walked quickly toward the rendezvous that you and your partner had arranged, Gordon Kane left the office. Everything was timed perfectly, Tyler. But then I, fate, moved again. And unknown to you... Another little thing happened. As Gordon Kane reached the end of the corridor, he took out a cigarette, then discovered that he had forgotten his lighter. Quickly, he walked back to the office. Hello, Kane speaking. Why, no, he's not. Can I help you, Mrs. Courtney? Well, I thought so. It's about the contract I'm going to sign tomorrow. Uh, tell me, is that $100,000 due in a dumb sum? What? Uh, Mr. Kane, I asked you if that $100,000 is due in a dumb sum. Why, I, I don't know, Mrs. Courtney. I'll have to ask Mr. Tyler. Yes. A forgotten cigarette lighter. And Gordon Kane learned that you, Tyler, had lied to him. Soon now, you will meet your partner. 
And soon I, fate, will make a further entry under your name. When I have written, I will read from the record in The Diary of Fate. of a little thing. A stray dog that darted from the curb. You, Tyler White, became the victim of a blackmailer. A man as evil as yourself. And because of another little thing, a forgotten cigarette lighter, your partner, Gordon Kane, learned that you were even dishonest with him. But he said nothing when you met and drove to Cedarville where Johnny Burke lived. The house was dimly lighted and on a deserted street. And you, Tyler, were uncomfortable as you rang the doorbell and waited. But there was no answer. You were surprised when you tried the door and found it unlocked. Easy, Tyler. We may be walking into a trap. That doesn't add up... Burke needs money, remember? Burke. Burke, are you home? I don't like this, Tyler. Let's get out of here. Relax, Gordon. Relax. Sit down. Burke probably stepped out for a minute. Well, maybe you're right. Tyler, look. Under that cushion, it's a gun. Yeah. Yeah, thirty-eight. What are you going to do with it, Tyler? I I think I'll put it in the desk here, just in case Johnny Burke has any fancy ideas. Hey, where are you going? This place has a back door. I want to know, but... Tyler. Yeah? Tyler, come here. What? What's the matter, Gordon? What is it? Mr. Burke is home after all. Look. What? He's dead. Yes, Tyler. The man you and Gordon Kane had intended to murder was already dead. For a moment, you stared in cold fascination at the body sprawled face down at your feet. Then you notice the letters, the ones you wanted so badly. Look, Gordon, on the desk, the letters. Yeah, I guess he was going through them when he was killed. Who do you figure did it? Any one of a dozen. Burke was a dirty blackmailer and a stool pigeon. And believe me, he murdered more than once. Tyler. Yeah, yeah, come on. Grab those letters, Gordon. Let's go. The back door. Come on. <laughs> Can't you go any faster, Tyler? My foot's on the floor now. Now, quit worrying. In another half hour, we'll be back in town. And you'll be playing cards, and I'll be a... Tyler! That man, look out! Put out your lights. He's over here in this ditch. He's dead, Gordon. Not yet. He's bleeding bad. I guess he was fixing a flat when you hit him. What do we do? Let's get out of here. Well, leave him. But Tyler, Don't we can't... your head, Gordon. If we report this and get an ambulance, we're spotted in Cedarville. Come on, let's go. You better let me out here, Tyler. It's only a block to my place. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. 
Can't be too careful now. Well, so far, so good. I'll see you in the morning, Tyler, at the office. Hey, hey, wait a minute. Those letters, let me have them. No, Tyler, I don't think I will. What? Is this your idea about joke, Gordon? Yeah, it's a joke, Tyler. Like the one about you getting only $50,000 from Mrs. Courtney. What? What are you talking about? Uh, skip the act, Tyler. Mrs. Courtney called at the office tonight and wanted to know if the $100,000 was to be in a lump sum. Listen, Gordon, you're getting just what you're worth. Now give me those letters. Give them to me. Get your hands off me. Tyler, put down that wrench. Hmm? Now I'll have those letters, Gordon. Gordon! Gordon! Now, Tyler, you had murdered. At first the thought horrified you, and your mind reeled in utter confusion. But in a moment you gained control of yourself and realized that now both Burke and Gordon were out of the way. And you had your precious letters. Quickly, you stripped Gordon of his wallet, his watch, a ring. Then, unnoticed, you drove hurriedly to the Fairfield Theater. At half past ten, you stepped from the shadows of a nearby shop and approached the girl in the box office. Confident that your alibi was still unshatterable. That's right, sir. The last picture goes on in ten minutes. You're welcome. How many, please? Uh, two dozen, honey. All on the aisle. Two dozen? Oh, oh it's you again. Hello. <laughs> the name's still Tyler White, uh, June. Oh, I haven't forgotten. The fact is, I was just thinking about you. Wondering if I were going to stop by on my way out? Well, sort of. <laughs> you see, I'm through here in a half hour. Look, June, I've uh, got to get home for a minute. Uh, business call. But how about me picking you up when you're through, hmm? Well, I, I shouldn't, but just... Well, all right, it's a date. Fine, then I'll uh, see you around 11, hmm? <laughs> been in the theater from 8 o'clock until half past 10. You had talked to the ticket taker, to the manager. You had even made a date with a girl who would not forget your name. And on your way home, you stopped on a nearly deserted bridge and got rid of the things you had taken from Gordon's body. Now as you approached your house, you were relieved until a voice from the darkness called your name. Huh? Oh, who's there? Who is it? Name's Barton. Lieutenant Barton, homicide. Homicide? What? Yeah. What? Well, what's the trouble, Lieutenant? Hey, here's your thing. Somebody's dead. Mind if I come in? No, no, no. Of course not. Good. Chilly tonight. But, uh, what do you want with me? Who's dead? Your partner. Gordon Kane. Gordon? Gordon Kane is dead? I, yeah. I, I can't believe it. Yeah. Must be a shock to you, all right. Tell me, 
Where you been tonight? Me? Why, I've been at a movie, uh-huh. the Fairfield. Been there since uh, 8 o'clock. Yeah, can you prove it? Of course I can. Wait a minute, though. Surely you don't think I killed Gordon Kane? No, Mr. White, I don't. That looks like a run-of-the-mill stick-up slam. Well, then, uh, why this questioning? Uh-huh. Because you're under arrest for murder, White. For the murder of Johnny Burke. What? Burke? Yeah. Johnny Burke's dead, too? Uh-huh. Shot through the head with a thirty-eight. Mm. He found a gun in the desk drawer in the living room. And if the fingerprints on it are yours, you're through, White. You're a but, dead duck. But why would I kill Burke? That's easy. Blackmail. You see, we found a letter written to you by a Mrs. Goodall. It was under Burke's body. But I I told you I was at the Fairfield Theater from 8 until 10 o'clock tonight. Uh-huh. Maybe you was. Johnny Burke was killed at 7 o'clock. Where was you then, Mr. White? At seven? I, well, I, I was in my office. Oh. Yeah, yeah, I was with Gordon Kane. We were, were talking business. Ah, but Gordon Kane's dead, remember? He says your alibi. No, 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 wait. Huh? I can prove I was there. I had, had, had a call from uh, Jim Olson, a director who just got into town. Huh? He called me. Yeah, yeah, I can prove that, Lieutenant. I'm sure I can. <laughs> Yes, you were safe, Tyler. You had an alibi. A witness who could break the chain of circumstances that was closing tightly about you. A chain that could hold you for a murder you did not commit. But soon, Tyler White, you will learn that the supreme law of justice is as constant as the rise and fall of the tides. For soon... I will write the final entry under your name in The Diary of Fate. convincing circumstantial evidence that you had murdered Johnny Burke, a crime of which you were innocent. Your confidence gradually returned as you called Mrs. Courtney and heard her say where you could locate Jim Olson, the one man who could keep you from arrest and trial for murder. Oh, how can you, Tyler? Jim Olson is staying at the Royal Arms Hotel. Drexel 27331. Thank you, Mrs. Courtney. Thank you very much. Well, Lieutenant, Jim Olson is at the Royal Arms Hotel. The number is Drexel 27331. Okay. I'll call him. I'd like to speak to Mr. Olson, Mr. Jim Olson. Sorry, sir, but Mr. Olson... Hey, look, this is the police. Lieutenant Barton, homicide. Now, is Mr. Olson there? No, Lieutenant, he's not. You see, Mr. 
Mr. Olson was killed tonight. Huh? What? What's that? He was killed. He was struck by a hit-and-run driver. It happened just outside of Cedarville. Yes. The man Tyler hit in the road and left to die was the only man who could prove he was not guilty of the murder of Johnny Burke. And now as Tyler White sits in prison and awaits his execution for a crime he did not commit, he realizes that justice will be served. And now it is time to close the book. Another entry has been carefully noted on the pages of eternity. In the case of Tyler White, as in the cases of all mortals, I, fate, am but an instrument of the plan. And the little things at my command are the tools with which I work. Because of a stray dog, Tyler White, a dishonest man, was led to his death after he had killed the one man who could have saved him. Ponder well the moral, you who listen, and remember, there is a page for you in The Diary of Faith. The cast included Herbert Lytton, Ruth Tarrett, Herbert Rowlandson, Bob Lowry, Tyler McVeigh, Ray Erlenborn, Ivan Dittmars, and Hal Sawyer. Diary of Fate is a Larry Finley transcription, brought to you from Hollywood. More from the Relic Radio Show at relicradio.com, where you'll also find more from Rocky Jordan, The Diary of Fate, and thousands of other old-time radio episodes. Our shoutcast stream is up and running there as well, and as always, if you'd like to help support this and all of those shows, visit donate.relicradio.com or click on one of the links on the website. Your support makes it all happen. Thanks again to those who have helped out. Thanks for joining me this week. I'll be back tomorrow with Case Closed, and next Tuesday with another episode of The Relic Radio Show.